Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. This is Mike from the Main Push Podcast. That is right. We're going to be talking about all kinds of different angles in the wrestling business today. We're going to be talking about stuff from the past, the present, and the future. The future as what's going on in AEW, what's going to happen at WWE and NXT. This is what I love. This is what you want to hear. So let's cut the crap and let's talk wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, we're right back at it again, right here to the main push. This is Mike talking to you. I know we have been gone, it seems like, for a long time. We've been gone for a long time, and we got a lot of stuff to catch up to. Hopefully, we can just get strictly to the points here. Um, one thing I will get to the point here on one thing is I'm sad to say the professional mind that likes to get his hands dirty in the professional ground roots of the wrestling business. Mr. Matt Pack, brother, he's not going to be on the podcast with us tonight, okay? He's going through some things right now. He doesn't feel up and ready. I, as for the last time I talked to him, if you're hearing this, Matt, sorry, okay? I just want to touch up on things before we kick into the new year. What is what has been fucking happened? Yeah, everyone's like, I bet you everybody thought we were fucking dead by now. Like we were like fucking like the Oak Ridge boys. Like we just went on fucking hiatus or some shit here, but, ladies and gentlemen. I'll explain. Okay, we are real people. We go through real shit. We we, we have real lives. We got mouths to feed. We got bills to pay. We got jobs to go to. We got our own personal shit to take care of. Okay, and that's the reason why we have been gone for this long. Or I've been gone this long as well. Uh, hopefully, I, I, I have faith in the Lord and Savior of the ground roots of the wrestling business, Mr. Matt Pack. I'm sure he'll be back with us here shortly. But he's been going through some things. He's not up and ready. I've been going through some things. It's kind of just push us a couple weeks back i've been wanting to get to this and now i finally got some free time we could touch up on a couple things when it comes to wrestling right now um but most of the ground we're going to cover right now we're going to cover a lot of ground when it comes to the AEW brand that's on tnt and ladies and gentlemen for the people that don't know the AEW brand dynamite is going to be moving to the, to the tbs network starting january the 5th okay and the reason why i want to talk about AEW. It's because I personally feel within my guts, within the faith of the holy Jesus himself when it comes to this wrestling promotion, I do have faith that they might get something fucking right here. But this feels more to me like a professional, actual wrestling side of the business, even though they do have the comedy shit and the cosplay bullshit in between. But I mean, you can't you can't ignore the other guys you know wwe because i mean they terribly went got some bad shit going on honestly the only thing that's been interesting on the wwe side has been roman reigns and brock lesnar and um the day one pay-per-view was going to be on this coming saturday and they're going to have the championship match brock lesnar and Roman Reigns for the, was it the Universal Championship? And now Paul Heyman has finally spilled the beads and he's already confessed the truth to Roman Reigns about how he was protecting him from Brock Lesnar. So, so he's, so he's shortly out of the picture, but I feel like they're going to bring him back in when it comes to this Sunday's pay per view. We're going to know where he stands. And this, and this won't be the last time that these two people will face, I promise you, because this is something that would have been escalated back like in the damn attitude era, you know, like back when the business was really popping and booming. Okay. Like something like 20, 25 years ago, this is the best segment that they've had all year long. And it's actually the best segment on WWE that I actually 
love talking about, I actually look forward to. But we're going to get to some other things. We're going to jump around or whatever. We're going to go. I'm going to look back on my notes here real quick. And I did see like a top 10 of what they felt like are the best matches for this year. I need to go back on my notes and uh, look at it here real quick. Just hold on a second. All right, I'm actually on WWE.com right now, and um, we got an error here. I'll correct that. Uh, it wasn't the, the top 10. I guess it's the top 25 matches of 2021. And God damn it. Honestly, I'm looking down the list, and I can't help but laugh. I mean, but I guess in a way I can't laugh at this because I guess out of everything that has happened within the WWE within this year, I guess these would make the list. Um, Number 25, we got Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre for the championship in the Hell in a Cell match. And the first thing I see is Bobby Lashley with a fucking kendo stick. Next. 24, we got RK Bro versus the Usos. Champions versus champions at the Survivor Series. I didn't catch up on that why on on that match for the Survivor Series. I, I know for Survivor Series they have usually have the champions versus the champions. You want to know why I didn't catch up on it? Because it's fucking RK Bro. That's why Randy Orton and fucking Matt Riddle. Nope, thanks. Nope. Let's go next. Um, <laughs> twenty three Goldberg and Bobby Lashley. No holds barred. The fucking. <laughs> at the crown jewel in Saudi Arabia. And what do I see in this one? Freaking damn Goldberg and Bobby Lashley playing Highlander with the fucking kendo sticks. Next. Number 22, Roman Reigns versus Edge, the Universal Championship match at Money in the Bank. Okay, well, uh, I-, I would definitely put down the list. From what I remember it being, it was a pretty... I guess it was a pretty good solid match. I mean, I wouldn't give it no damn 10 stars, but I mean, it was pretty solid for what it was um, from what I remember. Now, I haven't seen this match, but this made number 21 and I, I, I need to go back on the on the peacock <laughs> on, on the NBC peacock and watch this. If I uh, remember after I'm talking on this uh, uh, on this on this new episode, we got Walter from NXT uh, UK. Walter versus Tommaso Ciampa or Champa, whatever, however you say his name. The NXT UK Championship match was it NXT Takeover Stand Deliver Night One. I think anything with Walter is a pretty well, almost a ten star fucking match. So sad to say, I probably didn't see. I know I didn't see this match, but I need to go back and take a look at it. But I'm pretty sure that it deserves probably a hell of a lot more up there in the rankings than damn twenty one. If I'm knowing. Walter's background of what I've seen him um, inside the ring. Number 20, we got Roman Reigns versus Cesaro, the Universal Championship match at WrestleMania Backlash. This was that freaking little phase that WWE was going through that they were starting to call shit after WrestleMania, like, like was it WrestleMania Backlash? And I'm surprised they didn't say WrestleMania Money in the Bank and WrestleMania fucking Hell in a Cell. I just think it's stupid. Just putting a star fucking name like WrestleMania on another pay-per-view like that. They should just, just left it alone and just did the backlash thing. They've been doing backlash for some years now for quite some time. Why fuck with the name and try to bring something that don't even make sense. Okay. And 
what the fuck is this shit? I don't even know what this is. This is War Games Match NXT. I can't even pronounce half these fucking names. Uh, I, I, whatever. Team Tonic versus Cora Jade and Kaylee Ray and also Sh- Shahira Shakira. I don't know. Raquel Gonzalez. Um, it looks this looks like a fucking shit sandwich. All I'm seeing is a super power bomb. This one fucking girl was power bombing what goddamn how many? One, two, three, four, five. That's what shows here in the picture. One girl doing a fucking a, a super fucking power bomb with everybody fucking hugging each other like they're fighting over the same fucking dude or something. I don't I, I can't I can't describe this bullshit. I mean it's it's fucking ridiculous. And guess what's next, ladies and gentlemen? We got number 18 here. Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus. No holds barred at the fast lane. WWE fast lane. And what do I see in the middle of the fucking picture here? Drew McIntyre painting his face like Braveheart, shoving a kendo stick down Sheamus's eye. What is the big deal here with the fucking kendo sticks? Honestly, it, the kendo stick shit doesn't make any fucking sense. It never fucking did. I understand they did that shit with the Steve Blackman. He was a fucking martial arts artist, and he brought that shit in the WWE, and it's been the WWE ever since. Steve Blackman, I could understand him doing that angle because, I mean, that's one of his martial arts fucking weapon technique, and he did the fucking nunchucks, whatever. Okay, well, everybody is not goddamn Bruce Lee, okay? So knock it off with the fucking kendo sticks. So, number 17, we got Seth freaking Rollins versus Cesaro at WrestleMania Night 1. From what I remembered on that weekend, uh, this was one of the better matches that happened that whole weekend because that that whole WrestleMania was just a shit show. Honestly, WrestleMania for the last couple years hasn't even felt like WrestleMania in quite some time. And I know we're kind of like in a slump because of the damn pandemic. Maybe that has something to do with it, but it's just... These matches that they have uh, uh, kind of just combined together, it just feels like something that you would see like on a regular pay-per-view like fucking Fastlane or, or Backlash or No Mercy or whatever you want to call it. I mean, this th- for the last couple years, these WrestleManias have not felt like WrestleMania other than just the name itself, WrestleMania. So number 16, we got Kevin Owens versus Ami Zayn. Was it the last man standing match on July 2nd on SmackDown? I personally did not see that match, but between the two talents, between Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, I'm pretty sure that was probably a solid match. Now, what the fuck do we have here? We got the Money in the Bank ladder match. We got Big E versus Drew McIntyre versus Ricochet versus King Nakamura versus Riddle versus Kevin Owens versus Seth freaking Rollins versus John fucking Mr. Drip Drip Morrison. Um, and what do I do see in the spot here? I see Matt Riddle pushing the ladder with Ricochet on top of it where there's a spot on the floor with fucking five people waiting to catch Ricochet. No, uh, well, fucking next. We'll move forward. We ain't going to talk about that shit. What's for number 14? Rhea Ripley versus fucking, what's it? I can't, per, was it Gonzalez from the, the, the Women's Championship? Uh, the, the, was it the NXT New Year's Evil? Never even saw the match. Don't even fucking care. Okay. Number 13, Finn Balor versus Pete Dunn. NXT Championship, the takeover at... Uh, okay. Um, something else caught my fucking attention. I don't even know where I was going with that. Okay, anyways, uh, between Pete Dunn and Finn Balor, I'm pretty sure that was a pretty solid match. Um, they're both great, man, for for, uh, for their sizes, and they, they have a lot of... A lot of uh, 
a lot of oomph and a lot of energy to bring to the table. I really like both the talents, but honestly, I did not see this match, so I can't be the judge of it. And here's another one. Let's see. Number 12, Edge versus Seth freaking Rollins at SummerSlam. Okay, well, um, I personally saw that match, and that was probably one of the better matches at SummerSlam other than Roman Reigns and John Cena because that was the match, the reason why I wanted to tune into SummerSlam. So, um, as I say, man, uh, I, I, I respect and I like both the talents, Edge and Seth Rollins, but um, I, do, I can't remember because they had they had a couple matches this year uh, three or four times within this last year where uh, there's a couple spots I saw just nothing but bullshit kendo sticks and the bar fucking uh, submission hold around the mouth of the fucking arm bar bullshit and whatever. So um, what's the next one? We got Rey Mysterio, Finn Balor versus Seth freaking Rollins versus Kevin Owens at the Fatal 4-Way Ladder Match on Raw. Well, from what I remember out of this four-way ladder match was it was the Kevin Owens show. Kevin Owens should have won this match fair and square, but Seth Rollins took the vic- victory, and I think he was in the... I think he's the number one contender for the WWE championship uh, against Big E. And then Seth Rollins was getting in the head of uh, Kevin Owens and Big E from the last time that we've talked about it on the previous ep- uh, episodes of the, of the main push. Uh, let's move forward. Okay. Number 10, we got Bad Bunny and Damian Priest versus The Miz and John Morrison. WrestleMania night one. And I expected this to go like how I already predicted it. Yes, Bad Bunny, he is a hip-hop freaking top music performer. He wanted to get the spotlight on a fucking wrestling brand. And I'm not for it because... Because, you know, when it comes to wrestling fans, we don't want a motherfucker that doesn't want to be there in the first place or doesn't deserve to be there in the first place. He just needs, he's a fucking music performer. Okay, we'll stick with music. You're not a fucking wrestler, but I will give him the props that he personally took his own personal time to have a trainer and actually train for this match. So any kind of outsider that's, that's like coming in to do a wrestling match. He did an okay job, but I'm not going to put this fucking match in the top 10. I'm sorry, because I'm not a big fan of fucking drip drip. And I mean, I like the Miz. I mean, even though he's kind of been taking like a, I guess he's been coming and going between the fucking show. And he's almost like the fucking, I don't know. He's almost, I don't want to say he's almost like Cody Rhodes. He kind of is the Cody Rhodes WWE, to be honest with you. And, and ever since that whole fucking zombie bullshit with the fucking, you know, with the Damian Priest crap, because they're promoting that Batista movie on, on Netflix. I just, I never give a shit to even fucking watch this match. And guess what happened, ladies and gentlemen? Bad Bunny did his fucking spot. He got a spotlight. He got fucking paid and he moved on. Like how everybody expected that it was going to happen. Okay. Okay. Let's see what's next on the on this top 10 because we're not now we're getting to the top 10 here we got number nine Big E versus Bobby Lashley versus Roman Reigns triple threat match on Raw September the 20th I wish I could have remembered highlights from this match but I can't really think of thing off the top of my head I'm sure for what it's for what it is it's probably a solid match a great solid match I mean performers like 
these three together, Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley and Big E, yeah, it probably deserves to be in uh, the top ten. Now let's go to number eight. And I don't even know who the fuck this is or fucking anybody. I see Johnny, what's his name, Gargano, Mr. Johnny Wrestling. But it's apparently this is the War Games match, the NXT War Games. You got Team Black and Gold versus Team 2.0. I can't give any personal intel fucking comments on this match. I didn't watch the bullshit. And what do I see in this guy's fucking hand that's that's fucking anonymous to me? A fucking kendo stick. Jesus, put it down. Let's move forward from the kendo sticks, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus. Okay. All right. Oh, number seven. All right. I, I remember this. This is Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair at the Money in the Bank, the Raw Women's Championship. I on I personally would say out of the women's matches that I happen to glance at or fucking watch or whatever, because I don't pay attention to the women's side of wrestling because it's too fucking Barbie dollish. It's too fucking like hit the spotlight on me because I'm fucking purdy and I don't want to be a wrestler. I'm just a fucking model trying to get the spotlight so I could be a fucking famous fucking movie star one day. But when it comes to these two ladies right here, ladies and gentlemen, Rhea Ripley and Shard Flair, yes, this was the best overall women's match that I've probably seen all year long at the WWE brand. I think I remember the finish being where Rhea Ripley was trying to walk on the apron or, or some bullshit like that. And uh, she had her leg caught uh, in a, in the spot where the steel steps are supposed to be at or something like that. And Char Flair just starts kicking the shit out of the damn steel steps and it's messing up her leg and everything. Rolls her in the fucking ring and, and uh, straps on the fucking figure four with the fucking bridge and everything. And it, it was a great spot, great finish, the way how it's supposed to be. Because we got too many of the talent that act like they're fucking supernatural when they're just regular fucking people, okay? It's like we see 25 fucking finishes in a match that's fucking ridiculous. And this actually, the finish in this match, from what I remember off the top of my head, absolutely made fucking sense. Okay, here we go once again, right here. Roman Reigns versus John Cena, number six for the Universal Championship match at SummerSlam. We need to see more of this, ladies and gentlemen. If um, I know John Cena, is a, he's a movie star. He kind of comes and goes. He's older now and can't do the shit like how he how he used to do. He's, he's kind of slowed down a little bit. He's not the John Cena that we're not used to seeing. And I wish they would bring back the Thugonomics into this role but you know it, we don't want to fucking upset the kids right you know we we gotta we gotta give the kids their fucking attention too but i feel like in wwe when it comes to the kids to get their attention is like the new day you know it's, it's the, the silly shit like that from what i remember out of this four-way ladder match was it was the kevin owens show kevin owens should have won this match fair and square but Seth Rollins took the vic victory, and I think he was in the. I think he's the number one contender for the WWE Championship uh, against Big E, and then Seth Rollins was getting in the head of uh, Kevin Owens and Big E from the last time that we've talked about it on the previous ep uh, episodes of the of, of the main push. Uh, let's move forward. Okay. Number 10, we got Bad Bunny and Damian Priest versus The Miz and John Morrison. WrestleMania night one. And I expected this to go like how I already predicted it. 
Yes, Bad Bunny. He is a hip hop freaking top music performer. He wanted to get the spotlight on a fucking wrestling brand. And I'm not for it because... Because, you know, the, when it comes to wrestling fans, we don't want a motherfucker that doesn't want to be there in the first place or doesn't deserve to be there in the first place. He just needs he's a fucking music performer. OK, we'll stick with music. You're not a fucking wrestler, but I will give him the props that he personally took his own personal time to have a trainer and actually train for this match. So any kind of outsider that's that's like coming in to do a wrestling match he did an okay job but i'm not gonna put this fucking match in the top 10 i'm sorry because i'm not a big fan of fucking drip drip and i mean i like the miz i mean even though he's kind of been taking like a i guess he's been coming and going between the fucking show and he's almost like the fucking i don't know he's almost i don't want to say he's almost like cody rhodes he kind of is the cody rhodes wwe to be honest with you and and ever since that whole fucking zombie bullshit with the fucking, you know, with the Damien Priest crap, because they're promoting that Batista movie on, on Netflix. I just, I never give a shit to even fucking watch this match. And guess what happened, ladies and gentlemen? Bad Bunny did his fucking spot. He got a spotlight. He got fucking paid and he moved on. Like how everybody expected that it was going to happen, okay? Okay, let's see what's next on the on this top 10 because we're not now we're getting to the top 10 here we got number nine Big E versus Bobby Lashley versus Roman Reigns triple threat match on Raw September the 20th I wish I could have remembered highlights from this match but I can't really think of thing off the top of my head I'm sure for what it's for what it is it's probably a solid match a great solid match I mean performers like these three together Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley and Big E yeah it probably deserves to be in uh, the top 10 now let's go to number 8 and I don't even know who the fuck this is or fucking anybody I see Johnny what's his name Gargano Mr. Johnny Wrestling but it's apparently this is the War Games match the NXT War Games you got Team Black and Gold versus Team 2.0 I can't give any personal intel fucking comments on this match I didn't watch the bullshit and what do I see in this guy's fucking hand that's that's fucking anonymous to me a fucking kendo stick Jesus put it down Let's move forward from the kendo sticks, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus. Okay. All right. Oh, number seven. All right. I, I remember this. This is Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair at the Money in the Bank, the Raw Women's Championship. I on I personally would say out of the women's matches that I happen to glance at or fucking watch or whatever, because I don't pay attention to the women's side of wrestling because it's too fucking Barbie dollish. It's too fucking like hit the spotlight on me because I'm fucking purdy and I don't want to be a wrestler. I'm just a fucking model trying to get the spotlight so I could be a fucking famous fucking movie star one day. But when it comes to these two ladies right here, ladies and gentlemen, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair, Yes, this was the best overall women's match that I've probably seen all year long at the WWE brand. I think I remember the finish being where Rhea Ripley was trying to walk on the apron or, or some bullshit like that. And uh, she had her leg caught um, in, a, in the spot where the steel steps are supposed to be at or something like that. And Charlotte Flair just starts kicking the shit out of the damn steel steps and it's messing up her leg and everything rolls her in the fucking ring and 
uh, straps on the fucking figure four with the fucking bridge and everything. And it, it was a great spot, great finish, the way how it's supposed to be. Because we got too many of the talent that act like they're fucking supernatural when they're just regular fucking people, okay? It's like we see 25 fucking finishes in a match and that's fucking ridiculous. And this actually, the finish in this match, from what I remember off the top of my head, absolutely made fucking sense. Okay, here we go once again, right here. Roman Reigns versus John Cena, number six for the Universal Championship match at SummerSlam. We need to see more of this, ladies and gentlemen. If um, I know John Cena is a, he's a movie star, he kind of comes and goes. He's older now and can't do the shit like how he how he used to do. He's he's kind of slowed down a little bit. He's not the John Cena that we're not used to seeing. And I wish they would bring back the thugonomics into this role, but you know it, we don't want to fucking upset the kids, right? You know we we gotta we gotta give the kids their fucking attention too. But I feel like in WWE, when it comes to the kids, to get their attention is like the new day, you know, it's the, the silly shit like that. <sighs> From what I remember out of this match, they took some personal jabs at each other that actually made this perfectly well wanting to want to watch because I remember like I want to turn tune into SummerSlam just to personally watch this particular match. I think I forgot what all they said to each other, but they were shooting promos at each other that um I think John Cena told Roman Reigns that you gotta change every two years because nobody doesn't really give a shit about you or whatever. And Roman Reigns, man, Roman Roman Reigns being the tribal chief and everything that he is doing today, you can give props to Paul Heyman for that. He has gotten better on the mic. He's the best fucking talent in the brand why drop the title to to somebody else it just doesn't make sense he is your top fucking merchandise seller i mean he's uh i think he's went past uh, john cena numbers already he's the best talent so why take the belt off of roman reigns when he could carry the company and just keep the belt on him and um now let me get back to the point here I remember John Cena was telling Roman Reigns that, well, you got to change every two years because nobody's giving a shit about you. And there was a spot about where um, Roman Reigns says, like, like you coming into the brand or whatever. I forgot exactly what he said word for word, but he says, but you're kind of like a missionary position. Everything's the fucking same. So just just their promos back and forth. I remember it's like, oh, my God, they're taking some good jabs at each other. I really want to watch this match. Like – um. Like we'll get to later on in the AEW stuff when you know when we talk more about like CM Punk and MJF and stuff like that. So because I can't wait to see uh, when they finally fucking grab a hold of each other. Um, but overall, man, it was from what I remember it was a solid match. It was I think I, I think the they brought the the best out of each other. Even though um, the aftermath was Brock Lesnar's big fucking pop return, and that was the weekend when CM Punk debuted on Rampage and. This man was desperate, desperately looking for that CM Punk pop. So that's why he brought Becky Lynch and damn um, uh, Brock Lesnar back all at SummerSlam all on the same freaking night because he was dying for that CM Punk pop that that we heard all at, in, what, in Chicago back. What was that? When was that? Like back in August or something like that? I believe it was August. Okay. So we're going to be moving forward here. Um Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair, champion versus champion match at Survivor Series. Uh, I can't really give my personal intel on this. I can't really remember. As I'm saying, I just, I mean, what? 
I know Becky Lynch came back at SummerSlam and had that 25-second victory, and I can't really remember anything she did after that. I know she's having feuds with Bianca Belair, and she's kind of she's carrying a really good chip on her shoulder. Um, she's definitely a top brand when it comes to the women's division. So um, this makes sense on having the champion versus champion, you know, two, two of the top talents in the women's division, Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch going at each other. But personally, I can't give my personal intel on this match because I can't, I don't remember anything from it. Um, I'm going to try to pronounce this guy's name, right? Let's see. Um, but Hey, I, I would have to go with this, but I don't even know who's, who's rest on the list here. Number four, we got that. was it Egan. I was a Gulen off or whatever his name is versus Walter. I remember seeing this. It's the NXT TakeOver 36. I remember seeing this match, and oh my god, what a fist-to-fist, slap-to-slap, fucking toss-around wrestling match. There was no bullshit in it. No fucking kendo sticks. No just, just hands and fucking elbows, feet, and fucking kneecaps and boots to the back. I mean, it was a full-blown, probably the best wrestling match. I would probably put this at number one. But being it in the top four, okay, but we're going to grade on that as uh, further that we go on down the list. And I even highly recommend this previously on my episodes that, yes, go see that Walter match on NXT TakeOver 36. It's probably the best hands-on fucking wrestling match I've seen out of that product. I, I know it's a lower brand of the WWE NXT, but it's it, you just you can't miss it. It's a great wrestling match from from start to finish. Okay, number 3. We got Daniel Bryan versus Edge versus Roman Reigns, the Universal Triple Championship Triple Threat match at the Night 2 of WrestleMania. Okay, I mean uh, I guess I would put that in the top 5, I'm guessing. Um from what I remember it being, it, it was a pretty, it was, it was a solid match. It was, you know, it, it was something worth to watch, but nothing to give really like a huge, huge pop over. Um, they did, uh, from what I remember, they did too many stupid spots in that, in that three way, but that, that's, that's how a lot of these damn three way matches are nowadays. It's just a lot of stupidity spots that don't even make really a whole lot of fucking sense and whatever. But I mean, I'm not going to knock on these talents right here. Uh, I know Daniel Bryan, he's Brian Danielson. Now he's in the AEW. He's doing, he's moved forward and he's doing great things. Um, with a younger promotion, younger talent, even though with a couple of a uh, couple stars on the card, and um, I'm just, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm personally not going to knock this match. Uh, I, as I said, out of that whole weekend, it was probably one of the better matches, or probably one of the best matches over the whole weekend. But um, let's just move forward because I don't want to dwell on that too too long. Now, okay, Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair, SmackDown Women's Championship, WrestleMania Night 1. It's, I think that's the match where Bianca Belair won the Women's Championship. I believe that's what it is. But they're going to okay, – I'll, I'll get to the point here in a second. Okay, let's just, let's just keep moving forward. Number one. No, no, nah, no. Okay, number one, Edge versus Seth freaking Rollins. Hell in the Cell match at the Crown Jewel. No, I don't fucking agree with this. Okay, what am I seeing in the ring? Edge is doing the damn crossbar with the fucking wrench or whatever. 
uh, with the tool bag in there and I see a fucking chain and a goddamn WD-40 or whatever. I mean, this already looks like somebody's fucking kinky fucking Friday night fucking escapade here. But they're going to put that match ahead of fucking the Walter match that that dragon off or was a dragon off or whatever you pronounce his name. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't put that ahead of that match. I wouldn't. I, I feel like if anything, if you're if if you're gonna put okay, I understand they're 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 your they're your one of your top talents, okay. But um, if I had to switch anything, I'm guessing I would switch number two Sasha Banks and the Bianca Belair with the Walter match. If you want to go that route, but I mean, overall, I feel like the Walter match should be number one, but. Uh, but you know, but but you got the bigger talent right here, Seth Rollins and Edge, and um, and I and I know this was I know we talked about this previously on the program. Uh, the Hell in a Cell matches are supposed to be ending feuds. I can't remember if they continue to feud after this match or not. I think I think they ended their feud after this. Um, and one of these top fifteens or whatever, I could have swore. I saw that Saudi Arabia match, a three-way women's match or whatever, where they're all women wearing the fucking clothing because apparently if you show any fucking skin, you can give, get your fucking head cut off and down Saudi Arabia. Um, it might have been another freaking page I saw that shit on, but th- th- that match is not even on the damn top 25 because this is the official WWE uh, top 25, which I don't agree with a damn top 25. Why don't you just have a... It's like it's like everybody gets a fucking trophy here. It's like why don't you just have a top ten? I would feel so much better with a top ten instead of a twenty-five. So, anyways, that's my personal intel on that crap. And um, the Walter match should have been number one. Um, there's there's there is some good matches here on here on the top ten that I agree with, but I don't agree with how they're numbered, how they're how they're going to rate Edge versus Seth Rollins number one. G- give me a fucking break, dude. Um, all right, so uh, let's move forward. Um, let's talk. Uh, let's talk about some stuff in AEW. Before we get into AEW, I want to mention something that I've noticed that's not in this top twenty-five. The top twenty-five matches of two thousand twenty-one of WWE. I don't even think I've even said AJ Styles' name not even one time. Yeah, I'm looking back at the list and I don't even see his name not even one time. I know he's. He's stuck in a hard spot with uh, almost or however. I mean, he's almost a wrestler. I know they've been knocking his his name here for a little while. They have him as a tag team with this big, humongous, gigantic beast of a man that looks like he could kill practically everything in his path with with all the competition in WWE. Um, I feel like they paired these two. So AJ, the professional that he is, he can get almost ready to be almost serious and almost a professional on his own. I mean, honestly, I don't even think this guy even has to say much. He could just be just himself and just carry himself. And I mean, I mean, what is what is fucking more threatening and more serious than a quiet fucking beast? I mean, come on, you know, I don't think this guy even has to say much. But also, this is also ruining the spotlight when it comes to AJ Styles. I know when he got there, they gave him the push. He was the WWE champion. I don't think he was ever the Universal champion. I think they put the, 
I don't, I don't know if he was the Intercontinental Champion or not, but I know they put the the U.S. belt on him a time or so. Um, he was a tag champion with uh with Omos, but I mean, I missed the solo run of uh, AJ Styles, and um, I read on some insider notes or whatever some highlights that they recently had a feud where they broke the two up, and now they have him in the spotlight. AJ Styles, I, you know, as we're talking about him in the spotlight of NXT because NXT is just, Oh my God, it's terrible. It's, I don't even, I don't even understand how they're still even getting any viewership. The shit is so damn bad that, I mean, NXT is so bad that I'll be honest with you shows like my little pony and Barney look like fucking Broadway compared to damn NXT. They still have some great talent on NXT. I would love to see the push of whatever they do with Braun Breaker, which is um, Rick Steiner's boy. They should have kept the Steiner name on him, but it's some trademark and bullshit between the WWE, as I said before. I know he had that uh, that push mat push match with uh, L.A. Knight, aka Eli Drake, and I, I can't. I can't even bring myself to call him L.A. Knight, so I'm going to just keep on calling him Eli Drake. Eli Drake, that's another talent that they should be pushing in the WWE as well. I don't even know why he's still on the NXT. Well, some of these jokes that you have on on the main stage brand, man, they just need to cut them down or have them go back to the unemployment line or promote them down to NXT because there's a lot of these things that are happening on WWE that's just this, that's not catching anybody's attention. There's a lot of script promo bullshit. There's not enough wrestling. I think there's only segments. I think of a two hour show. They only have like maybe like 25 minutes of wrestling because it's just a, just a bunch of just Knit knack, patty whack, fucking bullshit. I know I'm kind of jumping back and forth here between the two brands of AEW and NXT, but I just hope that they really do solid things with AJ Styles. Try to put him back into the main title picture. Um, I forgot what brand he's on. I think he still might be on Raw. I think he is. Yeah, because if him and almost had that feud and they just recently broke up, then they they both still got to be on um on raw i would like for him to be in the title picture of somebody like oh, i don't know he probably would have a solid match with somebody like roman reigns i, I feel like they would bring the best out of each other to be honest with you but i mean i guess between the stipulations of the rules of wwe but let's be let's be honest they they break their fucking barriers whatever they want for fucking ratings but you know so maybe later on down the road he could have solid you know five-star match with somebody like damn you know i i, I believe big e still the champion so maybe he could have solid match with big e if, if they or if they already even had one or not um matched with Roman Reigns, and I know he's had a single competitive match with uh, Randy Orton at one time. I think Bobby Lashley got in the middle of that because how he felt like he was screwed over on his championship match and run and losing the belt and everything. So, um, But that's about the strong highlights that I could think of. That's, that's what's been recently been going on here with the WWE brand, and I know I recently said here, but I had to backtrack um, – uh, they have the day one pay-per-view because I'm so used to the WWE uh, pay-per-views being on a Sunday. Well, they're going to have it on Saturday. So they're going to have this thing called day one, New Year's Day, day number one of a pay-per-view on Saturday, January the 1st. And 
I believe uh, people have been talking about going back into the numbers, um, the record books. This might be a change of pace because I don't think there ever has been a pay-per-view a card on New Year's Day. So that's that's something new that WWE is looking forward to. Um, but this match between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, I, I feel like this should have been something for like the Royal Rumble or save it for WrestleMania. But no, they're going to have it on day fucking one because I'm sure shortly after the day one pay-per-view, we're going to have the Royal Rumble because they, they didn't even have a pay-per-view in December that I could recall. The last pay-per-view was the Survivor Series. And I didn't even I don't even think I even paid attention to all of that. So they didn't have a pay-per-view in December. The day one thing makes up for December. If you want to look at it that way, that's how I'm looking at it. And then you're going to have the Royal Rumble pay-per-view in the, in the next couple of weeks. Now, that I will definitely see because I've always been a fan of the Royal Rumble matches, even though I don't agree with with the last couple of years about the surprises they've been putting in or people that's been in the Royal Rumble or the job guys or the people that could be having in there to have a much huger fucking pop and make it important or whatever. But I mean, the ending results, I can't, I can't argue with it because I've, I've actually been a fan of the ending results here in the last couple of years. I know edge won it the last time you had drew McIntyre. It all made sense. The, the storylines, um, the way how it was well put together, uh, it, it, it fitted. I mean, uh, I, I'm not going to argue with it. Um, I know I stated we're going to move on to AEW. So um, honestly, ladies and gentlemen, I have notes back from like November the 13th. And today is already, yeah, December the 30th. We're just like two days away here, it seems like, from the new year. And I know I want to get this done before we start the new year. Um I don't even know where to start. I guess I'm just going to start highlighting some uh, some names, and maybe I'll start throwing in some input here. I have notes here on some of the younger talent, and one of the younger talents I like to talk about in AEW that I'm I'm personally starting to become a fan of is Anthony Bowens from the Acclaim with Max Caster uh, the, uh, from the tag team uh, faction of the Acclaim. I'm going to start calling him AB. I just, I just feel like that's a better name for him uh, instead of just saying his whole name, Anthony Bowens. I like AB better. But anyways, AB looks great on the mic. He does the whole two fingers pointing down that the claim have arrived. I honestly love it. When he does that spot on the mic, because his facial expre- expressions with the body language that he is serious when he talks, I'm all for it. But honestly, let Anthony Bowens, A.B., get his TV time, because talents like the acclaim is something that you will. I wouldn't mind seeing over people like we haven't seen in a while, like Marco Stunt and Joey Janela or even fucking Sonny Kiss here. The Acclaim could be a serious competitor in the tag team division, and we need more serious tag team competitors in that division. division, Honestly, um, I wouldn't mind, you know, even if they decide for Anthony Bowens to do like a singles run and Matt Kasser could be the mic guy for him doing this, the, the rap freestyles, because he I mean, he cuts the pretty deep throat jabs when, when he does the freestyles before they come into the ring. So I like to see a little bit more out of them and see what happens with them. We need more serious competitors, as I said before, in uh, in the tag team division. Um I'm tired of seeing kind of like the same guys in the picture, kind of like over and over on the fucking main shows and the main cards. And, and there is a lot of talent that does get ignored, but I mean, it's, I, I, but I can't, I'm not booking this shit. So, 
who's somebody else we could talk about? Let's talk about some star power. Um, CM Punk. God, what can you say about CM Punk? And I'm going to be all over the fucking place with this shit um, because I got notes back from uh, the 13th of November. Um, so I'm guessing before that, because 1113 was the full gear pay-per-view. Well, they had a little small feud with CM Punk and Eddie Kingston. Um, everyone likes to talk about the promo between Eddie Kingston and CM Punk. Uh, CM Punk was taking some uh, deep jabs at Eddie Kingston where, honestly, the fans were kind of booing CM Punk for a second. And he hypes them up about the town that they're in and these people know who I am and that kind of stuff. But, I mean, um, and honestly, I like the segment. I'm not knocking it. It was great, but it just wasn't perfect because the reason why it wasn't perfect for me because Eddie Kingston had a chance to really – just demolish and make CM Punk look bad on the fucking microphone. And he looks like he was gasping for words and didn't know exactly what to say. He was looking for right phrases and looking for stuff to say. And he just was killing time with kind of like his little pop laughs and kind of smirking at CM Punk and kind of laughing in the mic with him and, bringing up little cheap shit like oh yes it was me i interrupted the great cm punk oh my god oh my god like i just wish it would have been more serious and more fucking cutthroat to the point because cm punk did bring up the fact that um that he saw a lot of potential in eddie kingston and it was eddie kingston's fault for the reason why that he didn't get to where he was and he wasn't the only guy it was people like how he called out samoa joe and homicide and um Brian Danielson, um, CM Punk brings up something in that promo saying that you could lose in the middle of the ring to a guy like Brian Danielson, and then you could walk in the back and you try to blame me, but it's not my fault. I'm not uh, wrong for seeing greatness in you 15 years ago, but I'm damn sure to be a fool to try and uh, to hold you accountable or my expectations of greatness from you because you're a bum. And the fans are like, oh, my God, and they're booing. And uh, I think Eddie Kingston jabbed back was saying that, oh, I'm a bum. What a bum main, main event full gear. What a bum have to sell his house because of the pandemic just to keep fighting to make it. And uh, and uh, was it? And he said, and pay attention to when I say this. And he said it, he said it really hot. And he says that the only professional wrestling business going on today, AEW. And they, of course, they had a huge pop out of that. Um, as I said, there was there was a lot of great points in this promo, but I wish Eddie Kingston would have jabbed more at CM Punk saying that, oh, you think I'm a bum? What kind of a I would have said some shit back to him like, what kind of an impact would did you make here? Because you had one fucking popular one fucking night when you came back on your return. But you've been having these fuck because I think they push in that direction where CM Punk was like talking about the stipulations of their match. Oh, you want to fight me at full gear? Well, I was thinking more something like dark or elevation, something that's a little bit more your tempo, something a little bit more your speed. Eddie Kingston could have cut him. He could have made him fucking look stupid saying it. You want to talk about my matches? Well, what what kind of impact have you made here? Fight, you know, just having matches with some of these fucking job guys like whatever, like uh, Lee Moriarty and fucking QT Marshall and so forth and so on. I just wish I would have seen more of a strong promo on the Eddie Kingston side, um, 
but he just he, he just seemed like he was just lost in the woods with it. He was looking for things to say when he was, you know, I just. He was looking for things to say, I felt like, in the long run. And maybe he didn't know what to say or what to jab, or maybe he was afraid to overstep his boundaries because uh, CM Punk is the baby face and they don't want to make him look like the heel or some bullshit. But, I mean, regardless, the the, the fans are going to love CM Punk, I feel like, regardless, no matter what, what happens here, unless if CM Punk makes a full-blown heel turn on himself. Now, sticking with CM Punk, and we're talking about heel turns and whatever else, the promo that everybody's been wanting to see and the feud that everybody's been wanting to see ever since CM Punk stepped his foot into AEW is him and MJF. Um, I know I'm kind of jumping ship there. I know I talked about the Eddie Kingston thing uh, with CM Punk. They had the match at full gear. CM Punk won. And now they're just putting the brakes on that because they're moving forward to this. And I'll get to the point here on this thing with MJF and CM Punk here in a second. I think this all escalated back, oh, maybe in the middle of November. Um, CM Punk, not CM Punk, but uh, MJF was out just disrespecting people in the locker room and so forth and so on. CM Punk comes out. The first time they locked eyes in the middle of the rain together, um, CM Punk exchanges hands out and says, hey, you know, I'm, I'm Maxwell, however he said it. And CM Punk, all we had to do was just stare him at the eye, smirk and laugh, turn around and walk away. Great fucking disrespect right there. And then um, he said later in, in this promo, I'm going to uh, mention here that he had to fucking dwell on it to come up with some good singers, but he came out here with the lowest hanging fruit. Um I think it was the week after that. Um, there was supposed to be a match between CM Punk, I, I believe, and QT Marshall. But before it happened, um, before QT Marshall even came out, MJF's uh, music hits. He had a mic in his hand. He says it doesn't feel good to be interrupted. And he calls uh, CM Punk Punky Brewster. Um, he said that the pipe bomb was his best moment in his whole career. Everything that MJF does is his best moments he mentioned that he likes the fact that he's straight edge but he mentions that punk didn't mention him and as in his expiring uh, matches that he would like to have in the future of the company um he said he could drive the pipe bomb but uh mjf drops nukes from what i remember and when it's cm punk's turn that's when he tells him that he's disrespected in him uh, he said he thanked he thanked him for last week. He didn't know that M stood for Maxwell, but he thought it stood for my jealous fan. MJF stands for my jealous fan. He says, uh, but what he did, he shut up the great MJF for almost a week. They come up with some good singers. They came out there with the lowest hanging fruit in, in his promo. Um, and he, I think he brings in this promo that he's a less famous Miz, and when. MJF takes control uh, after after those words. He says that you're you're not the CM Punk that we remember. You're more like a PG Punk. And if you come out here preaching your words, you might as well be preaching some goddamn hustle, loyalty, and respect. That got a huge pop out of the out of the fans in the crowd. And MJF starts throwing in the words that um, 
whether it was you can't see me or the king of kings he was always the second fiddle in the wwe promotion punk may be the best in the world but mjf is better than him that he knows that his, his popular catchphrase punk says that there's some truth behind that he might be a little bit scared he didn't know he still had it but He's not scared any, anymore. He said he's certainly not scared of, of MJF. He was. He says, I've been selling out Madison Square Garden while you're still marking out for Rosie O'Donnell. Uh, you'll make the New York Times again, but it's going to be in the obituaries. And CM Punk beat a Darby Allin in the middle of the ring, and he didn't need a ring to do it. And uh, MJF is so busy talking about the four pillars in the AEW, he doesn't realize that he's been replaced by Britt Baker. And the only way that you're going to be number one in this company if if you just wait around long enough for Tony Khan to have a daughter so you can marry her. So that's the whole Triple H, Steffi McMahon, you know, Vince McMahon crap, whatever. So, I mean, there was a lot of great segments, a lot of great jazz back and forth at each other. It was great. I think the promo went on for like 20 and 25 minutes, and honestly, nobody got sick of it. Nobody didn't realize that much time got killed off the clock because they could have sat there and watched this stuff forever. So they've been having great jabs at each other for the last couple weeks. They've been saying words back and forth. Um... I know in the promos, CM Punk's been calling him a needle dick. I want to beat your needle dick in the ring, but MJF's doing the perfect heel stuff. He's saying his fucking demeanor words, but he's hiding behind his faction, and he's hiding behind corners, and when CM Punk comes after him, he's been running, and you know, just great heel shit. I love the fact that they're building this up for something later on in the future, which hasn't happened yet because they haven't touched each other. Even though this shit's been going on, what, for the last, what, four to six weeks, whatever? I love that they're doing something right here because once they they, they need to save this for a pay-per-view, and I can't remember the next pay-per-view that they're going to have. I think it's going to be in March. They need the slow birdness up so when they absolutely have a match, when it's official, and please do it, let it wait. Don't fucking keep keep doing this. Keep doing the smack talking and the shit talking. Let it build up until it finally hits a pay-per-view and it actually fucking means something. They're absolutely doing something right here. They're gonna try they're trying to build up more heat on MJF to try to get him hated more and more and more. They're making CM Punk look fucking glorified here, and he's doing a fantastic job here, making MJF just look fucking great, too, even though he's taking his side jabs to make him look like a damn bitch, too. So so this is overall, this is all great. And they actually, and actually the, 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 you know, to stick to the point here, there was a six man tag match last week. I believe it was on dynamite. Um, because I think the week prior before that, there's something happened where CM Punk tried to come after MJF, but he ran into, I think it was FTR and did the go to, you know, the GTS on them or whatever. And I think that's when he announced that Tony Khan made official. If I can't have you by myself, then I'll have you in a damn six man tag. It's going to be um, CM Punk, Sting, and Darby versus FTR and MJF. And honestly, out of all the damn stupid 10-man tags and 6-man tags and the fucking 
just a stupid spot bullshit that we see in these six-man tags. This was the best overall, I think, in, in within what, in the two-and-a-half-year span or whatever, how long AEW's been going on. This has been the best six-man tag match I have seen in this company ever since, um, ever since ever. I'm actually glad they put this all together. Um, they did this great thing where they had, you know, Darby came out. I love the fact how they're bringing out Sting and he's having like different face paints on every di- every different week now. He's been doing this for the last couple weeks, so I'm hoping that they change it up because one week there was a tag match with Sting and Darby, and then Sting had the face paint looking like Darby. That was great. In this six man tag, they changed it up with the face paint on Sting where he had the whole knuckles crossed or whatever and the lightning bolt for like CM Punk on his face. That was great because what what CM Punk did was was uh, was a flashback, and I thought it was pretty cool. He had the tights that looked like Sting with the scorpion on the side of the trunks, and he had the surfer war paint, like how Sting used to do back in his surfer days. And instead of him yelling that it's clobber time out to the crowd, he did the whole woo thing, like how Sting would do. The match started, and it just wasn't out of place. It didn't go 100 miles an hour. They didn't bury the fucking referee. They had a chance to do it, but they, you know, I, I felt like they tried to ki- stick to the di- to the dynamics of the match, what it should be. And they just overall just made it great because when I say that they had a chance to bury it, because this, this is what I'm going to be talking about. The times that CM Punk got tagged in while MJF was in the ring, he just ran around the ring like a bitch, sprinting and sprinting, sprinting. Well, there was a hot tag in between the two somewhere where MJF thought he was going to grab Darby and then CM Punk finally got a tag. And there goes freaking MJF sprint. He sprints out of the ring, goes up the fucking, uh, audience stares like he's gonna go like they're both chasing each other for fucking popcorn hot dogs and a fucking beer and the referee was still counting uh he was still counting when they exit out of the ring and went up the audience um uh, into the crowd but they actually did it so quickly that they went onto the other section and they ran down the stairs and they went back into the ring i think all before the whole 10 count even even was over with it happened pretty darn fast if if, if there was a 10 count I would just ignore it to this point because they actually did not spend a whole lot of time outside the ring. They actually were chasing each other. They went up the stairs, you know, said hi to the fucking aunts and uncles and the kids, everybody at home really quick, grabbed a couple beers and fucking hot dogs, whatever, came down the stairs, and they got back into the ring. So, and they're still to this point have a touch each other because by the time when MJF gets into the ring, I think he tags either Dax or... Uh, whoever uh, whoever else was there, um, I get I get the I get the FTR guys mixed up like Dax Hardwood and I I think one's name is Dax and one's name's Hardwood. I don't know. I just call him FTR all the time. But um, when Sting got his hot tags in, man, he the FTR just makes him look like a million bucks. Man, he looks like he could still do great things. He could still go. Um, I love the fact that Sting has a tag team partner like Darby because he's given Darby the push that he deserves. And I know Sting is 62 years old. And honestly, I mean, he what does Sting have left to prove? No, he doesn't have nothing left to prove, but he could still be great in this wrestling promotion. He could still do, still do great things like be a tag team partner to Darby 
Allen. And honestly, to this point, I can't see them ever even breaking up because it makes Sting look great and it makes Dar- Darby look great. The, them two compared together is probably one of the best tag team, you know, thoughts written down on paper of of inside that wrestling brand. I just don't see Sting doing like a single run, like going for the AEW championship. I just, I, I can't pitch that right now. There's too many other, and I ain't knocking Sting, but Sting has came and gone. He's, he, he's done his spots. He's done. I mean, what, what more do you have to do? He, he's done every, I, I mean, I know he had that WWE wrong. That was pretty shitty and how they did. It wasn't great. And they've kind of just fucking buried him. They spent all that fucking money and they just, they just totally fucking buried him. And of course they're going to fucking bury him. Just like how they do with everybody else, because they're not going to make anybody. They're not going to make people like Sting look greater than like the undertaker or Brock Lesnar or fucking triple H. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. Just like the same problem that CM Punk was going through. They're just, not they're not going to do that so with sting being champions throughout the years of wcw and i think he was in the nwa whatever i mean just all of his accomplishments that he's went through he has nothing else left to prove than just what he's doing right now because what he's doing right now just makes sense they don't need to put a fucking belt on him he doesn't need a fucking singles run He's done everything that he could possibly fucking think of in the wrestling business. So his job is to get with younger talent like Darby Allen to give him the push that they deserve. And Darby Allen has been great. Uh, CM Punk just shot him over the fucking moon and that damn singles match they had. It was great. And um, I feel like even after that match, Darby Allen has been more of a bigger star than he ever has been. And the kids are loving him. You see kids in the crowd with the face paint and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, he's just, he's, he's an overall, overall a great success for that company. And I, I feel like they're going to do greater things with Darby Allen later on you know, in the future. And honestly, if they want to do a tag team run with Sting and Darby Allen, I'm, I'll be all for it. I would love to see the belts on them, too. If, if, if you, if you want to put a belt on Sting, then, yeah, the Tag Team Championship would make sense. But I know people are like, talk about, well, what about FTR? What about you? But I'm just, I'm just sticking to the logic here of what they can do future tense with them, too. Because as I'm saying before, I know I'm being repetitive because I'm just trying to stick to the point here of I just do not see Sting doing a singles run because of everything that he's done within his wrestling career. I can't remember how many times that he has been a tag team champion. I I can't even think not even one time. I know that he has, but it's been so long that I can't even think off the top of my head the last time that he was a tag team champion with anybody. What, Lex Luger? Back in the WCW days, I don't even know if he was Surfer Sting or not. He might have been fucking Wolfpack Sting. I don't know. It's it, it's absolutely been that long since he's been a damn tag team champion. So, future tense, I would like to see somebody like that. I know they have it on the Lucha Bros. I'm sorry to say this, but Lucha Bros absolutely deserve that they've been there since day one and if they're going to give anybody the push on the tag team titles, the, the, the carry that tag team division to have the belts on, it should be the Lucha Bros, I know FTR, they had the belts that one time and they lost to the to the Young Bucks and they never had their rematch or whatever the case may be. But, you know, I'm not, yeah, they did have that. They did have the tag team match and they beat them for like the triple A 
tag team titles. And I'm sorry to say this, but I'm sorry. I'm, I'm tired of seeing these belts that have no fucking purpose inside the wrestling organization. I'm tired of seeing the fucking impact fucking championship and the damn triple a this and the NWA GP double a slash uh, 2.0 negative plus minus championship. I'm just, why do we have all these bells that have nothing to do with the promotion to put them inside the fucking promotion? It doesn't make any fucking sense. It's like, as I said, it's like everybody it, it wins a fucking trophy here. It's stupid. They did that same shit with fucking Christian. It's like, yeah, you could beat Kenny Omega for the fucking Impact Championship, but you can't beat him for the AEW Championship. And that's another person that they've been doing. Kind of, kind of fucking putting him underneath the fucking card here, and I think it's because that he's been working with the younger talents like Jungle Boy and trying to give him the push. But Christian Cage, Christian Cage came in. I think they gave him a hot start way too fucking fast, burned him, and then now it's like, what do we do with the guy? You know, he could have been. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess he, I, I would have loved to see him drop the belt the actual AEW championship to Christian Cage. And yeah, he could have carried it for a couple months, whatever. And, and now Hangman Page is the champion because uh, Hangman Page, he beat Kenny Omega on the last pay-per-view. And now Kenny Omega has been on hiatus and he says that he needs to touch his own feminine inside. And he's got to find out what's going on with him before he comes back that he's lost. And he doesn't know what to think about his loss. So it's like all of a sudden he has this one big loss of losing his baby gold precious star here you know he lost his fucking candy cane the damn AEW world championship and now he wants to fucking hide off and fucking disappear but I think this is the spot where I think he's supposed to go under under the knife he's supposed to go under some kind of knee surgery or something like that so okay I get that but don't don't make yourself going out looking like a bitch yeah why because you lost the fucking title to hangman and a page and now you're gonna look yourself looking like a bitch on fucking national tv boohooing and fucking crying you know i lost my own fucking touch inside and i don't know what's going on with me and i need some time to figure some shit out because what you were like the aew champion for almost like over a year almost a fucking year and a couple months and you lose one fucking match you lose the fucking belt and now all of a sudden you want to be like you want to put some fucking you want to put a fucking tampon on and some fucking depends and mascara and bullshit and fucking disappear for a while but also what's funny is you can see on Kenny Omega's departure here that AEW is not fucking – they're not booming any numbers and they're not really losing anything. So it's kind of like a hit or miss with him. And, it, and honestly, it's a, it's a hit or miss of a lot of people that said that AEW promotion. So, so before he left, I think – I believe he told – Kenny Omega told the Young Bucks, you know – to, to keep things in line, but Adam Cole thought he was talking to him, but I was talking to the Young Bucks, so forth and so on. So there's been a lot of uh, escalate with them. I'm not a big fan of the Young Bucks being the heels. As I said, they have that stupid cosplay comedy spots that are trying to win the people over, and nobody's not giving a shit, and they're just, they're just very badly, poorly doing a fucking horrible job with their, you know, 
with their comedy crap and it's 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 not doing anything it's and it's actually the worst part of the program is when they step in and doing their bad comedy spots it's almost it's probably about as bad as when they have ethan page and scorpio sky doing it because scorpio sky is doing the same shit too so i know the young bucks are part of the of the of, of the vps and uh cody rhodes is a vp and kenny omega is a vp um uh, tony khan runs the whole thing or whatever but the last time i checked on the notes or whatever that um, I thought Tony Khan was supposed to take over the, all, all of creative control, so forth and so on. From now, from whenever they put it out there that, it, to now, that he's supposed to be over all the creative control over AEW, but it, it's not looking like that. It's just not because Scorpio Sky is has probably about as of a bad you know comedy sense of humor that he does as Matt Jackson does. And I mean, and Scorpio Sky was a serious fucking talent at one time when he got into the AEW, and now he's making himself look fucking meaningless. You know, he was in the the SCU, well, Frankie Kazarian and Crystal Daniels, and I know Daniel. Um, it was uh, yeah, Chris, uh, Christopher Daniel. He's older now, and he's went to another promotion, and maybe he needs to take some time off, but. Another talent I wish they would do more that we don't see on a regular basis is Frankie Kazarian. I know he's older too, but the guy can still fucking go, man. I love, I love the seriousness, his fucking demeanor. I mean, he he doesn't do all this fucking comedy bullshit when he comes in the ring, man. He, I mean, just just the tools that he has in the bag, man. It's just he, he checks all the boxes, and I would just love to see them do more with somebody like Frank Kazarian, that's somebody that does deserve the spotlight, TV time, belts around him. I wish they would do that more, Frank Kazarian. Even his fucking intro is some. It's, it's probably one of the best intro songs they have in the AEW. Considering I know they have the Adam Cole and the Boom thing or whatever, and I mean that's a great spot. The fans love it, but ever since Adam Cole has been with the company. What the fuck has he done? He, he hasn't he hasn't moved the needle. I, I ain't trying to knock fucking Adam Cole. I blame AEW themselves because you have star talent like fucking Adam Cole, and no one's not giving a shit about the impact he's doing. Because you know why? Because you're putting talents around him like fucking I hate to say it, but Orange Cassidy. I, I, I ain't gonna lie. There was a time I thought Orange Cassidy with the whole hands in his pockets and the thing was funny. It was cute. We got kind of blinded from it, but it's like, you know what? But honestly, when you see this guy in and out every fucking week, he, he, he's the comedy spot when it comes to AEW, you know, f- for the kids out there. And you got the kids dressing like Orange Cassidy with the sunglasses and the fucking jacket and everything. What cool, whatever. Every wrestling promotion has got that has got that gimmick for the kids and orange Cassidy is the company mascot for the kids. That's, that's how I feel like he is, <laughs> but you're surrounding Adam Cole to like talent sets that, that, that don't even make him look as a big of a star, like how he was in NXT. Cause here he is. He's having matches with what? Like Jungle Boy, I I'm not trying to knock on Jungle Boy, but he's not as I don't think he's he is a big of a star as Adam Cole. You need to put him with more serious competitors, you know. And uh, Jungle Boy, and yeah, he he's trying to do a serious thing, but I mean, he needs to calm down with the theatrics and the gymnastics bullshit, you know. And I'm not, I, I don't believe his fucking finish, that fucking snare trap that he does, when the, the way how he does it, it, it looks pretty pathetic and fucking weak to me i'm just being honest with you i mean i'm not a professional wrestler but i'm a pretty stout motherfucker that's how i feel i I could even break out of that motherfucker i mean i'm just being honest with you i don't care for the snare trap or i mean yeah the the crowd gets a pop with the whole 
you know, his his jungle theme coming out, that 80s jungle theme that they're doing. They're waving their hands in the air. They're ho-ho and all that bullshit. And, and that's cool. And, you know, the, the fans are happy to see him. And that's something to get the crowd into. And, I mean, as I'm saying, I just wish they would do something more with um with Jungle Boy. And I wish they would change up his finisher on doing something else because the snare I'm not the, the snare trap is not s- selling on me. I, I, I'm not buying it. Um and who's the other guys around? I've noticed they took a Marco stunt out of the damn picture. I, we haven't seen this dude in weeks. So, I mean, he's probably underneath the bridge with the rest of the fucking trolls. So, so good job to Tony Khan for that. Um, but the other guy, Luchasaurus, I mean, he's got this green shit all over his tongue. Just, just, and, and what does he do? He tries to do the fucking shit that the fucking little five foot ten people do in the fucking fucking promotion. I feel like this dude, if he was more of a, of a, if he handled himself more like a big guy, I feel like that would be great. But he's doing the, the flips and the kicks and the dips and the bullshit and the flying here and the flying there. It's just, you know, and he's, uh, how big is damn Luchasaurus? He looks like he's damn six foot seven for Christ's sake. I'll give respect to respect is due for a guy that size doing that kind of shit. That's great. But he's, he's overkilling himself with it. He needs to be more of a muscle guy. Cause that's what he looks like. Cause the way how he just carries himself, he looks more like a bigger guy. And we're going to stick with the big guys in this promotion. Cause we're going to be talking about Wardlow here. Next Wardlow has been having these squash matches with the jobber guys. And it's making Wardlow look great. And I feel like that's what they're trying to do here next with the whole CM Punk and MJF. Cause as of last night with the CM Punk promo, I forgot what exactly what was said word for word from CM Punk, but it's like it's like they're trying to keep this on ice for right now. And as I said, that's the way how they should. Um, CM Punk was like, "Hey man, if you're not ready to fight me, if you're not ready to come after me, then okay." Um, it says if you have your sights on something else, like like how he said, uh, MJF is looking forward to being the AEW champion. And that's what he has his sights on right now. He goes. I'll let you have your time. I'll let you have your spot. We could put this on hold, but he goes, I would hate for somebody to be involved in that championship match. If, if it, that's if it ever happens. So he's bringing out the fact that, Hey man, like if, if you ever get your chance, don't expect me not to be involved in it because I'll be coming after you, you know, somewhere down the road. It's, it's going to happen. Ladies and gentlemen, they build us up way too good for it just to be, thrown in the closet and never been fucking put on again. So, you know, they're going to, they're going to bring this, but they're going to bring this back out. I feel like um, if they're going to keep this on ice, probably within a couple more months, because they built this up perfectly. I love the fact they haven't even touched each other. I mean, they haven't even really fucking thrown any fucking sweat or damn spit at each other. So, I mean, I mean, cause that, that's, that's how much that this has built up to the fact that they've been in each other's face. They've cut each other down, not even a fucking finger on him, even though CM Punk was ready to go, but MJF act like he was going to take off all of his clothes and bullshit. And he was going to find him, but he just rolls out of the ring. Like, no, not today. Motherfucker. We're going to wait, you know? So, so, okay. The bigger talent, we're going to be talking about Wardlow here. They, uh, they, they've been having like these little solid four or five minute matches. Um, I guess he's got MJF has got the Sean Spears with him. The, the chairman of the AEW with Sean Spears is, you know, uh, I was hoping they would do something a little bit more with him, but he, uh, he's not really doing anything. I feel like this is a spot for him to do something. Um, 
what I forgot what MJ uh, MJF called him uh, an account accountability partner. That's what Sean Spears is to Wardlow. He's an accountability buddy or some bullshit like that. So Wardlow has been looking great. He's been throwing around you know these jobbers like rag dog uh, rag dolls and power bombing them and he does all the fucking work and then he, and of course Sean Spears he comes in and he likes to hit the the jobber guys with the fucking chairs seal and fucking Wardlow spotlight they're working this up that Wardlow's going to get I think he's going to get a single run he's going to get a push and he's going to get after fucking MJF because MJF's already fucking bamboozling him. He's taken away all of his opportunities. And and, uh, they brought up something last night. Oh, there's a cause in your contract that if you go after the fucking TNT championship or whatever, that you have to to relinquish that to me. And it says right here in this contract, so forth and so on. So they're already building this up that Wardlow's going to blow a fucking head gasket a fucking fuse here and then he's going to want to fucking kill MJF and that's going to be a beautiful sight because the fans are getting behind Wardlow and that when that time comes when he gets his hands on MJF it, the the fans are going to react fucking huge over it and it's going to be a great thing from the company and a, a great thing for younger talents like Wardlow so what else inside the company that we could talk about now, let's stick with the heels. If we want to talk about anybody that needs a fucking heel turn desperately more to redeem themselves than anybody in AEW, uh, I'm talking too fast. And I'm slurring my words here. It's definitely Cody. Fucking Cody Rhodes, the fucking executive vice president of AEW, the son of the legendary Dusty Rhodes. Man, uh, the guy's great. He can go in the ring. He, the guy can fucking work. But it's like you're pushing for a baby face when the fans are fucking just cutthroating you. They're fucking booing you. They don't fucking give a shit about you anymore. It's because you're exposing your own fucking business. You're trying to be a fucking movie star, a TV fucking celebrity. You're being in a spot that you don't want to be in the fucking first place, and the fans don't want to see that shit. And I think that's what hurts the fans the most in AEW is because they did this promotion. Cody Rhodes was a part of it. He was redeeming himself in the beginning. He had a great match with his brother, Dustin Rhodes, probably one of the best matches they ever had on AEW. And then he had the feud with Jericho, and they've been bouncing around with meaningless shit afterwards. But here you are, you have a show with your wife, the roads to the top. And honestly, I, I mean, I looked at some of the numbers of people watching that shit afterwards. It's, it's, I'm actually fucking surprised anybody could watch that shit. I think they get anywhere from fucking 200 to 4,000 fucking K viewers when that shit was on the air. You're showing the inside of the fucking business because that's the thing about wrestling fans such as myself. We love the storytelling. We love the drama. We like it when people don't fucking break the kayfabe. And they love the execution behind all of that fucking 
just putting it well fucking together and not making it look like a fucking joke. And that's the reason why people don't even watch half this shit half the fucking time because they look at it like it's a big fucking joke. And that's nobody but to blame but the fucking booking and the company themselves. Because when the people were watching it, they had fucking more seriousness behind it. Back when they were back in the attitude era when they had anywhere from like eight million to fucking fourteen million fucking people watching that shit a night. Because you had more fucking serious competitors like the Rock and the Undertaker and Stone Cold Steve Austin taking that shit to another level, carrying that shit with a fucking attitude like a man with a fucking purpose and why they're there in the first place. Now, you got this guy having this fucking TV show, having his wife on there. They're just trying to be movie stars. I don't even think they even want to be wrestlers in the first place. So here he is. That shit's already done and over with. They might come back with a fucking other season or whatever. It's like everybody has to have a fucking reality show when you should be focusing more at the task at hand of what you what your purpose should have been in the first place. And once when you don't stick with that purpose and you're fucking just um, how do I want to say it? insulting the intelligence of the wrestling audience, then they're going to come a backfire and not give a fucking shit about you. And he's sticking with his gimmick ever since day one. And he doesn't believe on turning it. He, he needs to turn a fucking heel because Cody Rhodes is developing that fucking pocket knife fucking go home heat. I mean, I, I mean, it, it's it's great. Uh, there was one six man tag match here a couple weeks ago. Cody Rhodes does this thing, and I, I I already said this on social media before, but Cody Rhodes does this little spot in the middle of the ring that he has the nightmare family belt that he wears that he likes to take it off and fucking throw it out in the audience. Well. There was a guy in the audience wearing a fucking Jim Cornette t-shirt, a corny t-shirt. He fucking had the belt and he threw it back in the fucking middle of the ring. And he had like that dumbfound look on his face like, why the fuck did that happen? What? Why? Why me? Well, fucking why not you? Because you're exploding the, exploding the fucking business of damn wrestling and AEW. It's like you, uh, they have the backstage fucking camera shoots of fucking people that are supposed to be fucking against each other, having a cup of coffees with each other, and, and just a bunch of bullshit. And nobody does not want to see that much that cares about fucking wrestling. That's like seeing fucking Luke Skywalker and goddamn Dark Vader going out to fucking Olive Garden or some bullshit. Nobody does not want to fucking see fucking that shit because you're telling the story, stick with the story, don't fucking break it, make it fucking believable. Everybody already knows from the fucking past history that, oh man, it's fake. It's phony, it's bullshit or whatever. But for the people that you're trying to capture an audience here to suck them back into this, people will watch this shit if it's meaningful. But once when you just fucking expose the business, showing everybody are just fucking holding hands and singing fucking Kumbaya when they're supposed to be fucking stabbing each other in the fucking throat here. You know, it's then, yeah, nobody's not going to want to watch this shit. And once when you're trying to have like little fucking five foot six fucking dudes trying to fucking push like they're fucking supernatural, like they're a fucking seven foot fucking tall motherfucker. Nobody doesn't want to watch that shit either. So there is a lot of shit here that Tony Khan could fucking just scrape apart and just fucking just reevaluate himself. 
I mean, he needs to go back to the fucking drawing board. I mean, it, it's not all bad, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not trying to fucking say. I, I mean, what I'm trying to say is he definitely has some star power here. I've mentioned some great talents that he has. I mean, I think the best one that he's ever that he signed ever since jumping on the brand has been Brian Danielson because he has worked his way through the jobber guys, through the mid card guys, through some serious competitors like Eddie Kingston and matches that you don't see on a regular basis that he used to be as Daniel Bryan in the WWE because honestly he was playing it safe over there. And what what more were they going to do with him in WWE? What being fucking Captain Planet over there and people it just it ran its course. People got tired of it, and they just kept on dropping him down the fucking card. And yeah, they'll try to. And if they throw him in a card, it's like a fucking three way, and he's gonna get squashed by fucking Roman Reigns. There's no more of a purpose for him to do his job as a wrestling performer in WWE. He's won every fucking belt. He's over accomplished his resume in WWE. I don't even know if he's won a Royal Rumble in WWE or not. I think he has. I mean, he's won everything from the tag team titles to world championships to fucking intercontinental U.S. titles. I mean, he, he's already done his purpose. And so now they're at the point where they're just, we're just going to throw him around because we don't know what the fuck to do with him. And I think, I think, I was reading something on the Insider one day, and I'm, uh, I don't know exactly word, word for word what he said, but he, he talked about how he loves Vince. He respects him. He's a different breed of, a, of another man, of a wrestling promoter. I don't even know if Vince McMahon's even fucking promoting this shit or not. I think he's just putting in other hands and just saying the yes and the no, giving the okays or whatever. But um, but WWE, as I said it before, it's more of a, just an entertainment brand. It's like they have a little bit of wrestling and they try to push more of the fucking entertainment stuff. So um, at Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, man, he wants to go above and beyond. I mean, if you want to be the best that you could be and just go over the fucking hill with what you already accomplished, then why not go to AEW? And actually... I can't pitch him ever going back to WWE because he's do, been doing great stuff. Or because I feel like he's become like maybe even a, a bigger star. I mean, I understand not global wise because WWE is a global product, but I'm talking about his work performance. I feel like he's got better overall as a work performance resume in AEW than what he has been doing here in the last couple of years of WWE. So what has he all been doing ever since he's been there? He's been a babyface. He's gotten in the ring with Kenny Omega. He did that 30-minute draw match, which is the best match that he's had up there in his career ever since he's been in AEW. And probably the best match that damn Kenny Omega's ever had. Kenny Omega just looked like fucking... Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson made him look like fucking Picasso, man. It's like they both came together. They painted the fucking picture and beauty just came all in the fucking picture, whatever they laid out there in the ring. It was great. And he, um, and he fucking turned heel on the night that Kenny Omega decided he had to get in touch with his fucking feminine side. Cause he lost the fucking belt. So he did the full heel turn because Adam Page, hangman, he won the belt after his all all of his bullshit about I'm a drunk, I'm a has-been, I'm a fucking nobody, I hang out with the fucking jobber crew, uh, I'm lost within my fucking feminine side, I'm fucking, I need to leave and figure out shit. And, and finally he came back and he won that damn ladder match. And either though I disagreed with the fucking finish, the finish should should have been, he should have hit the fucking... Um, 
what the hell is uh, Hangman's fucking finisher move? The buckshot lariat. That's right. That's it. Okay. The, the, he should have hit the buckshot lariat on Lance Archer, went up the fucking ladder, grabbed the belt. That would have been over. But no, they did this spot with John Moxley where they're trading punches. It's just out of the fucking blue. It's like you could tell like they're whispering to fucking finish in each other's ears and shit. And, you know, and they, they do that in matches or whatever. But it's like it, it's perfectly fucking obvious. And just all of a sudden, John Moxley just falls to the fucking floor. So Hangman can have his fucking glory. But it would have been a much bigger response hitting your fucking finisher, getting up that fucking ladder, grabbing that belt. But God, that would have been fucking a, a, a beautiful fucking glorious moment right there. But no, you had to have that bad spot with fucking John Moxley. I mean, I'm not knocking John Moxley. I'm just, I'm knocking the fucking finish, okay? So um, John Moxley's been MIA. I think he checked himself into rehab. He hasn't been in, having any matches. And um, ever since, honestly... He carries himself around like he's the Stone Cold Steve Austin of AEW, and I'm 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 all for that. He's got he's got energy, he's got fucking attitude. But what I don't like is it's like his work is becoming. Uh, I feel like a little bit more meaningless if if I'm sticking to the points here. I mean, ever since he lost the fucking belt, he's been having. Uh, matches uh, it seems like more hardcore matches on these outside independent fucking organizations and then because he has so much respect for fucking nick gage the fucking pizza cutter fucking bank addicted drug robber like how jim Cornette would fucking say i mean just bringing in a whole bunch of bullshit and a fucking meaningless fucking horseshit that don't even belong in the fucking wrestling business in the first place so I hope when John John Moxley, he checked himself personally into rehab. Hey, man, I need some time off. I need to get better. Okay, fine. It's a personal issue you got to take care of. Take care of yourself. But I hope when he comes back, he comes back much stronger, man. I'm a, I'm a fan of John Moxley, but I'm going to call out his bad shit when I fucking see it. I just feel like he's so much of a bigger star to get fucking relinquished in, in, in with that fucking horse shit. Um. I hope they. Uh, I'm sure he'll definitely be in the title title picture again, uh, once again in AEW, uh, because they need to do that push a little bit more with Hangman Page. Um, I I do honestly feel like he he is he would be a great AEW champion. He's he's a champion now, but uh, he only defended the belt one time since he had it because I know he recently just got it here. I can't think of any other times that he's defended the belt. And he had that that hour long lasting match with Brian Danielson and end up and that shit ended up being into a draw. It was a great match. I ain't knocking the match, but I felt like it went on way too long that they're trying to jump into caliber numbers of like an Iron Man match of Shawn Michaels and fucking Brett to Hitman Hart. I honestly feel like this wasn't in the same category of that kind of a match. Yeah, I mean, Brian Danielson, that's some fucking star power. And ever since Hangman Pages came back, you don't really see him have a fucking drink in his hand. But he's still hanging out with the fucking Jobber crew. I wish they would stop that bullshit with the fucking Dark Order. And honestly, when I'm thinking about it, I haven't really seen much of the Dark Order here in the last week or two or whatever, ever since fucking Brian Danielson has been kicking their fucking heads in and beating them one by one in the middle of the ring. So, I mean, just Brian Danielson going through them one by one just to make that point that I'm going to get to Hangman Page. Um, let me go through all your fucking job recruit first. But, and and uh, it just, I don't know. 
just to blow some fucking steam off. So, so, so when I get to the point when I come to you, it's going to be more fucking serious. Because as I said before, Brian Danielson, he did that full, full blown fucking heel turn because they're in the middle of the rain because he beat Miro at the at the pay per view, and I can't wait to see Miro back. Ever since he lost that match to Brian Danielson, he's been kind of uh, MIA. He's been doing these little fucking white background fucking promos talking about his god and his wife and whatever else and i'm just waiting for him to come back and if they if they have him come back i hope he comes back bigger better stronger than ever and maybe get him a little bit out of the tnt title i don't know maybe uh maybe have him a couple matches with the fucking championship run i don't know actually do something meaningful with him i just hope they don't fucking bury him because when he held the tnt championship they're doing great things with him they got him away from the fucking what was that shit that he was in not the best friends but the fucking best man and the kip fucking chris kip fucking taylor whatever he was hanging out with and the fucking bullshit that they had him in before, but ever since he's had a solo run and he was doing the TNT championship and he held for, he held on to it for what? For quite some time. I forgot who he beat. He might've beaten Cody Rhodes. No, I th- he beat Darby Allen for it. He beat a Darby Allen for the title. And then they let Sammy Guevara have his little spotlight until fucking Cody Rhodes fucking came back in. So, so Miro, uh, I hope he comes back bigger, bigger, stronger than ever. As I said before, now Cody Rhodes, he just needs a full blown heel turn that because it's like we're seeing John Cena like all over again. And maybe that's the plan after all. I don't know, but it would just be even it would be beautiful if he just turned himself a fucking heel because that's what the fans want in the first place. And Honestly, he could probably be one of the best heels in the fucking business if he turned fucking heel. And actually, his work would actually be fucking meaningful on something here. Now, what's some of the other talent that we could talk about that's in AEW? Um, Malachi Black. Okay, Malachi Black. All this work, I felt like it's been meaningful up until he had that first loss with fucking Cody Rhodes. And now it's like, now they're looking at him as like, I don't want to say like he's... Like he lowered himself when he, I mean, he, he has to lose eventually, but just make the lo- loss make sense. I felt like they made his loss, his first loss against Cody Rhodes way too early because they're building him up. Like he was like just this massive fucking MMA, karate, jujitsu, martial artist, just fucking beast that, uh, that he comes in and out of the fucking dark places. And man, just, I love the Malachi Black thing overall. But what's really bringing him down is he's hanging out with his backstage best friend, that Andrade Alililo, or whatever they call him. And that's one of the signees that they had from NXT that has not made a fucking, probably a worst impact than anybody. Probably more meaningless than Adam Cole. It's been Andrade. It's like... They're trying a little bit of angles with him, and it doesn't mean fucking shit. Uh, Andrade had that one-on-one fucking no disqualification match of Cody Rhodes. And then Cody Rhodes felt like he's, he's just trying to push himself further and further to have the crowd love him more. And the fans just don't give a shit about him. So he's going overboard, like setting himself on fire. Yeah. He fucking set himself on fire. He had the no disqualification match with Andrade and the finish was, I think Brandy was dressed up as a fucking camera crew or whatever, and she took the fucking 
the mask off and the fucking headgear off and oh my and we're supposed to do a huge pop over that shit right oh like oh my god it's brandy and nobody did not give a shit she set the fucking table on fire when cody rhodes and Johnny were on the top rope he went to go hit the cody cutter but even even before he hit that spot people were questioning like what's all that nasty shit all over the back of cody rhodes it's that fucking flaming gel or whatever the fuck they do in the movies or whatever it's like once when it once when the flame hits it, it's like it's supposed to suck up the gel and not supposed to be a part of your body. But they've been going so long in that fucking match that the fucking shit dried up. So you could still see some of the burn marks of shit on his fucking back for when he hit that spot. And the bad thing is when he hit that spot, it burnt more fucking Cody than goddamn Andrade Alilo or whatever. So, <clears throat> so man, it's just, I, I don't know what the fuck Cody is doing to this point. He just needs to fucking give the fans what they want. If you, I don't even know if they would even fucking cheer him if he turned a fucking heel. I don't know if he's going to go like how Britt Baker would because Britt Baker has carried the same fucking attitude ever since she's been there. I feel like she's the only person that's really carrying the fucking women's division. They could do something like that with Ruby Soho, but there ain't really much going on on that point. Now jumping back to the title picture. Ever since that draw of that hour-long match that Brian Danielson and Hangman Page have had, now I think it was, uh, they didn't show them last night on Dynamite, but it was the week prior to that. I think Brian Danielson stated a stipulation that that uh, he was the workhorse in that Iron Man match that they had. I know they didn't say it was an Iron Man match, but it, it, they went a fucking hour, okay? Um that they're going to bring judges in their next week's title defense. And then they're already doing this. They're, they're already, I don't know if they're spilling the beans here, but they're already like, you know, given hangman pitches. Like I'm all for giving some old timers a fucking payday because AEW is good about giving the hall of famers a, a really good, decent payday. You got uh totally Blanchard in there being the manager for FTR. You got Jake, the snake Roberts that comes in there being the manager for Lance Archer, which that's more talent. I wish we could see more is Lance Archer. Where, where has he disappeared? You know, bring him more into the picture and let AD Kingston get his time in. And speaking about AD Kingston, getting his time in, they did some kind of six-way fucking match last night, and uh, of course, <laughs> and then uh, I guess Chris Jericho stepped into the picture. We haven't seen him in the last, I wasn't uh, maybe a few weeks or whatever, but he's got some unfinished business with the tag with the tag team trio, the 2.0 or whatever. He steps in to protect. Um, I think. I can't remember if Sammy was in that match or not. I forgot who who all it was. No, it, it was Santana and Ortiz, and it was Eddie Kingston. I think. Ortiz, no, it was Santana, the one that was getting jumped on, and Eddie Kingston was in there trying to help out, but Chris Jericho comes out there with a bat, clears fucking house, they hit the fucking Judas song, and then they cut it, and after they cleared the fucking ring with just all of them, you know, laying in the ring or whatever, then they hit this fucking music again. I know it's a thing through AEW, but I'm personally getting burned out on the whole Hey, I'm Chris Jericho. I'm here, and you have to sing my song. It's Judas. You must sing it. Go under my command. You must do this. If you're not, then you're not a true AEW fan. Dude, get the fuck out of here, okay? Chris Jericho, ever since the last couple weeks, he's went through that fucking phase through, um, what's the last feud that he had before that? Was the, the Team America, the Dan Lambert, and the, 
was it the Ethan Page and the Scorpio Sky? They had that fucking little feud where it was fucking meaningless. And and uh, as I said, Chris Jericho is another guy that I respect, and he's done a lot of great things in the wrestling business. But right now, he's just doing a lot of cheap pops, just whatever makes him feel good to put the spotlight on him. And he doesn't need that anymore. He's 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 another one that's accomplished everything in the fucking business. Uh, he's been an AEW World Champion already, and I feel like they shouldn't do that. You know, uh, anytime soon with Chris Jericho, because you're just going to bury your company with the way how he's just, you know, just treating himself. So, I mean, he's doing a lot of cheap shits for a lot of fucking meaningless pops and the crowd's just fucking eating it up. But I'm not. Um, but then Eddie Kingston got into the face of Chris Jericho last night and they exchanged words of shit. You didn't hear what they were saying because there was no fucking mic or nothing connected to them. But I would like to see this more. Because just think about the promos from Jericho and think about the promos from Eddie Kingston. Yes, now that's more of a serious match because ever since after CM Punk, they put Eddie Kingston in uh, uh, with this feud against uh, was it da- uh, Daniel Garcia in the 2.0, where he got tired of his promos getting cut. And he goes, "Man, I just I might as well just go to fucking catering. I'm tired of." He says, "Can I just have one promo to myself?" You know. And there's a lot of shit like that that happens in AEW. There's a lot of promos that get cut. Um, it's like Tony Schiavone's there. He gets cut off all the fucking time. And and, and what's funny is you never see Jim Ross standing in the middle of the ring trying to cut a promo because I feel like Jim Ross would never put himself in that fucking position. So he needs to spread some fucking intel to Tony Schiavone and some of these other guys that do these in-rank fucking stand-around fucking promos instead of being – because Jim Ross not going to be fucking disrespected like that. I'm sorry. And so I'm glad that he's not putting himself in that kind of position. So, okay, now this is sparking my, you know, my interest. What's going to happen here? Are they going to set something up where there's going to be a little feud between Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho? If they do that right, man, that could draw some attention, some money right there. Because Eddie Kingston, the shit that he can say is fucking gold on the mic. I I still remember they made a t-shirt the next day when uh, Miro called himself the Redeemer. And then Eddie Kingston's like, you're the Redeemer, right? Well, you could just redeem these nuts. And they posted that on a fucking t-shirt the next day. And that motherfucker has sold I don't know how many damn copies people walking around with redeem these nuts with Eddie Kingston's name on it. I actually was tempted to get that t-shirt at one time, but I don't know. I just, I'm just afraid I'm going to throw around money on damn clothes and they're just going to sit around and that kind of shit. I already got too many clothes as it is, but let's stick back to the wrestling point. So I would like to see how this would turn out, man. I think this would be gold. See where they both stand. Is is there going to be some twisted turns between that? I hope that's something we can look for for the new year. Is a feud between Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho. You know, because the, with the with the resume that Chris Jericho has and how they're trying to, he's a fan favorite now. Eddie Kingston's a fan favorite. Just having them two just fucking collide together. Now they're doing something a little bit more meaningful between them two. Um, I know Chris Jericho had that feud with MJF. He he, he tried to bury him, but, but uh, I feel like MJF kind of carried his own for as good as he can because he ever since then he's been getting more and more and more fucking level headed fucking heat. That's just, I mean, he's got he's got more heat on him than a fucking firehouse for Christ's sake, you know. So. Have we covered all the strong points here when it comes to AEW? Uh, we covered the shit with Hangman Page. Um, 
they're going to have that title match on Wednesday. We're going to see what happens with that, with the stipulations. Are, are, is there going to be there, – there ain't going to be no draw if they're going to have any uh, uh, judges there. Are they going to do the fact where the judges are going to decide that Brian Danielson is going to be the next AEW champion? If they do that, then Hangman Page didn't technically fucking lose to Brian Danielson, and he could probably carry the belt for a while, and then he could do another match at a fucking pay-per-view where, you know, when even Hangman Page is even fucking hotter, they could put the fucking belt back on him. But if they're going to change hands on the belts at this time, this would feel at a better time than any because then they technically didn't lose to each other because the fucking judges actually made a fucking anonymous decision of changing the fucking title. So it would make sense. I know I didn't say much about the tag team division. Uh, The Young Bucks lost to the Lucha Bros. I'm glad they had the titles. They're carrying the titles for a while. Um, I don't really see them dropping the belts anytime soon. If they are going to drop the belts, I would love to see it to FTR. Let FTR have the belts for a while. Um, They might... I, I wouldn't mind seeing that on the next pay-per-view, to be honest with you. I just – I get you, you get kind of burned out of seeing the same talent carrying the belts for like almost a year. Now, unless there's somebody strong, like somebody like Roman Reigns, like in WWE or some shit like that. But I just didn't believe the hype on Kenny Omega when he was the champion for what, like a year and damn three months or whatever. I, I just – I wasn't believing that. I liked it when it was John Moxley having his title run for almost a year. Uh, I I enjoyed that for the most part. It it was believable to me. But, um, yeah, if they're going to change the belts then um, at any time soon, then I I, I would definitely see it on this coming Wednesday's – was it the the January 5th when uh, Dynamite goes to TBS? Because I just – if they're going to do any kind of title exchange in there, then I'll just see the judges just screwing Hangman Page, just giving it to Brian Danielson. So we're going to see what kind of tricks that they got up their sleeve when it comes to that. And if the feud between MJF and CM Punk is going to be on ice for a little bit, then uh, we already know what's next in store for MJF. So what's going to be next in store for CM Punk? Um, I, 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 don't, I really can't answer that, to be honest with you, uh, because I would save the whole MJF thing and the CM Punk thing for, um, for the next pay-per-view. That's what I would do. So... Um, I'm sure what CM Punk's going to do, people are going to draw attention to it. They're going to watch it. So I just hope that it's with more meaningful talent. Um, I'm tired of him just having these matches. Yeah, man, he he's trying to push the younger talent. I'm all for that. But just, just mix it up a little bit, as I said on my previous episodes. I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing him with a match with him and fucking Christian Cage or some shit. I don't know. I'm just trying to throw out some ideas off the top of my head. Um if he does have a match, if fucking Hangman drops a belt, then I guess him and Hangman have a fucking match together. I don't know. But um, I just can't picture CM Punk being undefeated for like a, for a long period of time. I feel like he's going to be losing to somebody sometime soon. Um, but I know the question is to who. That is the answer. Oh, there's something else I wanted to point out. Uh, uh, Because I know we talked about Darby Allen and Sting. 
There was a match here about almost a month ago on Rampage. A Billy Gunn from the Gun Club. He had an overall, an overall great performance of a match with a small caliber guy like Darby Allen. And I love the way how Darby Allen carries himself. It's like he does the suicide dives, but it looks more like a fucking body block, man. He looks his his fucking his fucking um his body force on that body block looks like it could really fucking hurt you. It'd really knock you out. But there was a match here about a month ago, I would believe with a uh, Billy Gunn, as they called him in damn WWF when he was a DX, Mr. Ass, whatever. But it's like, I know back in that time, the rock just fucking buried him in a promo. Ain't never seen a lie today ever since after that. So he's in a promotion with younger talent Billy Gunn's like, what, 58, 59 years old, and he looks like a million fucking bucks here. He's got more fucking body muscle on him than, what, 90% of the fucking talent that's in AEW. And, man, he was just slingshotting fucking Darby Allen like, all over the place. And I love the finish, how Darby Allen handled himself in that match, because it felt believable to me. But I would love to see more of Billy Gunn. You know, yeah, there you go. Put a match with fucking CM Punk and fucking Billy Gunn. That's more of a serious match. It's just we guys, I, we need more serious fucking star power card guys here. I'm just tired of seeing the fucking jobber guys trying to get the spotlight and nobody's not caring about the shit. And that's why they're not drawn any more than fucking just like less than a million people or whatever. They're not going to get any more fucking big numbers. Yeah, the, probably the biggest numbers that they had is when CM Punk debuted on rampage and they almost reached i forgot what it was 1.8 million people almost 2 million people and they're not going to see those kind of numbers unless they bring something that's more meaningful and not stop stop doing the fucking joke spots and uh the cosplay bullshit as i said before so i would definitely like to see more of a serious competitor like billy gunn being into that picture um i think we covered most of what I want to talk about when it comes to uh, AEW. And while we already covered the WWE st stuff, I haven't really paid too much attention to it, but I know we covered most of what I thought of what, what I've seen th earlier in, in this new episode of this program. But um, but I guess we're going to close it here, ladies and gentlemen. I, pre I appreciate you sticking around and listening to me just shooting the shit about wrestling and I'm not even going on notes here because there's no point of me reading all this stuff because then this will just be going on for hours and hours and I think I've held on here long enough uh, just talking freely here about what's what I've been seeing here so I wanted to get this done uh, there's things that have been happening as I said between a, a my personal life, I've been going through stuff and nothing really serious, but you know, as I said, we just, I have an everyday life too, just like my partner in crime that I do the podcast with him. He's, he, he's got stuff going on too. And, um, I wanted to get this done before the new year. Cause I want us to be the last segment episode before the new year starts. And then we'll hopefully we'll be on a regular pace and start off fresh and maybe stick with this on a regular basis. But, uh, but until then, uh, I hope everybody had a good Christmas. Uh, I don't know if I stated or not. I, I became a year older since the last time we did. I, um, I did a new episode. So I'm a year older. Um, we're, we're approaching 2022. I want to stick with, positively that I hope to see more great stuff in the wrestling business. I'm actually looking forward to some of these segments that, I, that I've already mentioned to you 
uh, that I've talked about a, a few that's in WWE and probably even more few more than a fewer than than AEW. So. So I hope everybody had a great Christmas. Merry Christmas to the people that I couldn't uh, I couldn't get in touch with, or I'm just announcing here. I know worry fucking far due. It's almost been a week or whatever because I we haven't I haven't done a damn uh, new episode of what in almost like damn what I don't know six weeks or so or something like that. So and then we're approaching the new year. I hope everybody has a safe new year. Stay safe over the weekends. Uh, be responsible, man. If you want to do your New Year's partying at home, man, just uh, I hope everybody stays blessed, stays safe. Um, I hope Matt, uh, my partner, crime the fucking likes to get his hands dirty to landscape and fucking professional of the wrestling business mind here. I hope he comes back to this soon. Uh, until then, man, I appreciate everybody uh, just giving me a chance and hearing me out of what I have to shoot the shit on wrestling. So until then, thank you for everything. Thank you for listening. Thank you once again. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. This is Mike from the Main Push Podcast. That is right. I just want to reach out to my listeners and say thank you for your time and thank you for your support on supporting me and what I love the most, and that is wrestling.